Welcome to the Faith Dialogue Podcast with your host, Pastor Ken Baer. Are you ready to swim in the deep end of the Bible pool or climb to the top of Faith Mountain? If so, open the eyes that see, those ears that hear, and a heart that is receptive. Get your cup of coffee and your Bible as we begin. I'm Ken Bear, one of the pastors at Celebrate Seniors, a ministry of Faith Dialogue. Today, we're going to continue our study in the, the book of Acts um, as we're in a series called Unstoppable. It's the word that comes to, to, to mind when we start thinking of the early church that's described in the book of Acts. We're in Acts chapter 2, and our previous lesson was on the coming of the Holy Spirit at the Feast of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit we saw came in power and in might and filled the believers that were present in that room today. Today we're going to be continuing in Acts chapter 2 and I get to do something that I rarely get to do and that's I get to use someone else's sermon. Now before you think I'm just being lazy, what I'm doing is I'm going to be using the sermon that the Apostle Peter preached on that day of Pentecost. It was the very first sermon of, of any church. You know, I love it that, that that first event, that first happening, the first gathering after the Holy Spirit descended was a, was a sermon. The coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost gave birth to the church. And Peter marked the occasion with a, a sermon. It wasn't a church picnic, a Friday potluck, a, a youth event, or a VBS program. It was a, a sermon, and a good one at that you'll see that Peter does a great job. He answers a few questions that are being asked, and then he gets right into the Old Testament prophet of Joel. So if you have your Bible or your smartphone or your computer, go to chapter 2 in the book of Acts, and we'll be reading beginning in verse 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it came to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heavens above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So we'll pause here in verse 21, and we'll look a little closer at these words of, of Peter. You know, the immediate context of these words, this sermon by Peter, was the, was the day of Pentecost. As Luke records, it had fully come. The culmination of the prophecy of, of John the Baptist, who said that while he would baptize in water, Jesus Christ would baptize in spirit and in fire. Jesus had told the apostles to wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit. And he came with a rushing wind and tongues of fire and then this amazing outpouring of 
praises to God in languages that were not known uh, to the apostles but were understood by the, the people gathered below. Now let's back up to the, to the very last verse of the last section in order to get a little bit, a little bit closer idea on the, the context of what Peter is going to be addressing. So the very last verse last week said this, so they were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mockingly said, they are full of new wine. So, so Peter comes out, and the text says that in verse 14 that he's standing with the eleven. So all the apostles are standing there, the group, uh, but, it's, but it's Peter that begins to address the crowd. Notice that it appears that speaking in tongues has, has ceased or at least stopped at the moment, and Peter is most likely speaking in Aramaic, the common language of the people in the Middle East. The people in the street had heard and understood their native tongue, but now Peter is speaking them to them in a common tongue, and that tongue at the time was Aramaic. So Peter preaches this sermon. Now, he didn't have a chance to sit down for a few hours and prepare. He doesn't have paper uh, that's prepared with the uh, sermon notes. He speaks extemporaneously. Now the old Peter, <laughs> you know that old Peter that followed Jesus around? He never could have done this. But the big difference is the new Peter has the, the Holy Spirit. He's been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now this sermon, while not rehearsed, was centered on scripture that was well known at the day, at that time. Peter starts off by saying they, they weren't drunk. Apparently the Holy Spirit had revealed to the Peter what the people in the streets were saying. And then Peter begins to explain what had happened to the 120 uh, with the mighty rushing wind and the tongues of fire and the prophecy, the wonders of God and, and languages that were known to all the people gathered. He explains that what they had experienced was actually the beginning of what the prophet Joel had prophesied. Now the prophet Joel lived in the 9th century, it says around 850 BC, nine centuries before this event happened. The prophet Joel was well known as a, as a prophet of God who spoke on end times, the days of the Lord, the, the last days. Peter addresses the crowd and begins, he says, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem. That's an important point to remember. Peter's not speaking Spirit. to the Gentiles. Peter is talking to the Jews, the chosen people of Israel, the descendants of Abraham. Now Peter's key verse, this key scripture that he's teaching from is from the book of Joel, a deeply significant and prophetic book for the Jewish people. So Peter states, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. You know, the prophet Joel often spoke of the last days, the days of the Lord. The prophet Joel is unique in that he quotes from over 11 different Old Testament writers. Uh, and he, he often spoke about the judgment of God at the time of the end. Joel references the times in the past where God had confronted evil, punished sin, and restored the people of Israel. But Joel looked at it as symbolic, as a foretelling of 
the future of a time he calls the last days. These last days are described as, as dreadful and a time of judgment, but also a time of, of hope and restoration. You know, these Jews were very familiar with the book of Joel. Uh, they were prophetic scriptures regarding the coming of the Messiah and the end times. They, they knew of the prophecies of Joel just like Christians today, believing Christians know the book of Revelation. Like us, they could have said, I know what happens. I've read the end of the book. We win. The, the fact that the first sermon of Peter following the coming of the Holy Spirit focused on the prophet Joel and his prophetic take on the end times of the last days is actually very significant. In fact, it's one of the most significant pieces of a, of a puzzle, a mystery that God had hinted at but had not yet been revealed. It's a piece of the puzzle and without this piece we wouldn't be able to understand what God is doing today. You know, puzzles can be fun. Uh, they can be frustrating as well. Uh, I remember very well some of the first weeks at the, at the Windsor, a residential facility for seniors here in Celebration, Florida. And the residents thought it would be fun to put puzzles together. And why not? They're retired, they have a lot of time, they'd like to be able to, to meet their neighbors and spend some time together. So they put puzzles together, 500-piece puzzles, 1,000-piece puzzles. But here was the thing, we found out very quickly that if a, if a piece was missing, it was extremely frustrating. Because you could see the picture, but it wasn't complete. You needed the puzzle piece. So the prophet Joel had provided the puzzle and the Apostle Peter was now giving us a puzzle piece. Peter was announcing that the beginning of the last days, uh, the days of the Lord were being fulfilled in their presence. Peter continues, verse 18, And on my men servants and on my maid servants I will pour out my spirit in these days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke, the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. You know, Peter had shown that the stage was being set. Something had happened. There were promises made to the people of Israel and these promises would be fulfilled. So here's the puzzle piece that Peter is teaching on. If you have this puzzle piece, you'll, get, you'll see the completed puzzle. If you don't have it, you won't get it. Peter will be, is saying that the Jewish Messiah had come. The next event in the timeline for the Jews was this prophecy of Joel. We see similar prophecies, similar future events in a number of places in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. We call it the second coming, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, the seven years of tribulation, followed by the millennial kingdom, the Jews were being told that the next event on their calendar was what the prophet Joel had foreseen. You know, the Jews believed that when the Messiah came, he would first come to judge the ungodly and set up a glorious kingdom. And Joel was speaking about the kingdom of Israel to be established when Israel is in the land, the one that was promised throughout the, the Old Testament. So here's the piece of the puzzle, and quite frankly, even Peter 
didn't fully understand it at this time. There would be a 2,000 year gap, and still counting, a gap in the Jewish timeline that defined a new and completely different age. We're told in the New Testament that Jesus provided a, a new covenant, a, a better covenant with better promises. But it's also described as an age. The age is called by a, a number of different names. It's called the age of grace, the church age, and sometimes the dispensation of grace. It is a time during which Jesus said, and I will build my church. We see in the sermon by Peter that this age began at Pentecost and will end at what is known as the fullness of the Gentiles. Remember, I, I said this was a, a mystery, a piece of the puzzle that Peter had been chosen to reveal. The age of grace is for both Jew and Gentile. It, it's not based on law, the law that was given to the Jews with the commandments, the feasts, and the sacrifice, but this is an age that would be defined by grace, the grace of God, the love of God in Christ. Joel re referenced this love of God being extended to all, and Peter says it in the very next verse. Verse 21, And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The age began on the day of Pentecost, and will continue now until what's known as the fullness of the Gentiles. Think of it as the last person to be saved gets saved. Now, the Apostle Paul speaks specifically about this mystery and the fullness of Gentiles in the 11th chapter of Romans. He says, For I do not want you, brethren, to be uninformed of this mystery, lest you be wise in your own estimation, that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, and thus all Israel will be saved. But this is a, this is a mystery. Paul says a partial hardening has happened to Israel. Now, it's only partial. Some will still be saved. We've, we've always had Jewish people in the church, and God is pouring out His Spirit on, on all flesh. It's not just the Jews, it's for every nation, every tongue, every ethnic group, every language. This period, this age, will continue until what is known as the fullness of the Gentiles. The invitation by God is open to, to everyone now. The word whosoever includes everyone. But here's the thing, at some time in the future, that door will be closed. This is what Paul says about this whosoever in the, in the book of Galatians. He says, for all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And that's Galatians chapter 3, verses 27 through 29. You know, God had promised that through Abraham, all, all of the nations of the world would be blessed. That's the promise that Paul is referring to in that previous scripture I just read. There will be a time when God's attention is turned again to the Jews. We will see the signs. Uh, the Jews that had been dispersed will be regathered. Then the nation of Israel will again be the focus of the plan of God. The plan of the end, the last days, the day of Jacob's trouble. 
It's as if God has a, a stopwatch. Did you ever use a stopwatch? Actually, there's two stopwatches. One is the Jewish one. It was counting the time of God's protection and provision of Israel. The Jewish stopwatch saw all of the prophets, all of the promises, the, the formation of the kingdom of Israel, the kings like David and Solomon. It also saw Jesus being born of a virgin. It saw him suffer and die. It was the fulfillment of, of dozens of prophecies specifically about the Messiah coming. But then click, the stopwatch stops. The other stopwatch, the church stopwatch starts. God is pouring out the Holy Spirit on Jews and Gentiles, men and women, young and old. The church is unstoppable. This gospel will be preached throughout the world. The Holy Spirit takes up residence in each and every child of God who, who knows Jesus as Lord. And even Jesus said we will do greater things, see greater things than, than he accomplished. And ultimately, God's grace reaches through the nations, through all of the Gentile lands, and then click. The church age ends. Jesus returns, the dead in Christ are raised, and we which are alive join them in the air. Click of the stopwatch. One stopwatch stops, and click, the Jewish stopwatch starts again. This happens suddenly. Just as we don't know the day or the hour, there will be no specific final warning. No prophecy that really needs to be fulfilled until that happens, before that specific event. It will be a time, as Joel spoke about, as well as many other prophets, and it's a spectacular time. Nations will rise, but God brings the victory. The prophet Micah says they'll beat their swords into plowshares. But let's return to the scripture for today. Notice Peter isn't done. He still needs to tell the people about Jesus, because Jesus is the key. The key piece of the puzzle for both ages, both the Jews as well as the Gentiles, the church as well as the, the kingdom of Israel. So let's go on and hear how Peter talks about Jesus, the Messiah. We're in verse 22. It says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God for, to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourself also know, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. You know, Peter starts this section with a, a shout out to the crowd. Peter reminds the people what they had experienced, what they had seen with their own eyes, what God had attested to through miracles and wonders and signs. Peter says they were done in their, in their midst and they, they saw them, they, they heard about them. But miracles, signs, and wonders are incomplete with understanding who Jesus truly is. You know, just this, this past week, I was, I was talking with one of our team members, one of the people that work with us at Celebrate Seniors, and, and he said something very profound. And, and I took it to heart. He said that, you know, sometimes people get all excited about, about prophecy. Uh, they look at the second coming and the miracles and the characters like the Antichrist and the beast and the dragon, almost as if they're looking at some science fiction 
TV movie, uh, like the latest installment of, of Star Wars. And this is true of all prophecy, all of the signs and the wonders. And the thing is, is that without a knowledge of Jesus Christ and who he really is, all of this is just folly. It means nothing because truth is a person and that person is Jesus Christ. His life, his teachings, his death and his resurrection. This is why Peter needed to continue. He needed to tell them about Jesus. Peter wanted the people to pay attention and he spoke because he had something important to say. Peter says these words, they are, they are very profound and I love how they're translated in the New King James. Verse 23 says, and him, that's Jesus, being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. You know, at one time, Peter didn't understand what he's now saying. Peter knew that Jesus' death is a plan of God. And that was always the plan. Jesus wasn't a martyr. Jesus was the Savior. At the same time, they, meaning the Jews, those that were there, Peter says they are without excuse. Those who rejected him and called out, crucify him, crucify him, were responsible for their actions. Their hands were, were bloody. Peter doesn't try to please the audience. He tells them, you crucified the man who God had sent. Peter then introduces another prophecy, this time from Psalms in Psalm 16. For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoiced, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to seek corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life, you will make me full of joy in your presence. Jesus had told Peter that he would rise again, that death would not hold him. Peter now quotes from Psalm 16, and now in hindsight we see clearly how this psalm actually referred to Jesus. It was a messianic psalm. In the scriptures, the word used to describe the realm of the dead is Sheol. That's in Hebrew, or Hades in Greek. This is the place that is referred to in the Apostles' Creed, in the Nicene Creed, where it says, He descended into hell. By the way, we, if you believe in Jesus, have a, a different destination. If we're in Christ, we're a new creation, and death has no hold on us. There is no abode for the dead for us. We pass from life to life to be in the presence of the Lord. Peter, after he's quoted Psalm 16, goes on to paraphrase the psalm as well, to add his own commentary. Now, to illuminate the, what the work of the Holy Spirit was. As a result, what Peter saw on Pentecost, we now have this as, as Scripture. So Peter continues in verse 29. He says, Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with, is with us today. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sin on his throne, he, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. 
You know, David was the author of Psalm 16. The Jews thought David was speaking of himself. But Peter goes on to explain that not only was David, the patriarch, died and buried in the tomb, remained to the day, however, he said that David was a prophet and in the same way prophesied that God would raise up Christ to sit on the throne. And that what is meant by saying that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. Peter then goes on and gives his first witness testimony. This Jesus God has raised up, by which we are all witnesses, therefore being exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. You can imagine Peter turning to his left and his right, including all the apostles, when he said, of which we are witnesses. David continues talking about King David. He says, For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he says himself, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand, till I make your enemies your footstool. You know, here Peter is quoting another psalm, Psalm 110. You know, this is amazing. Peter has now quoted three individual pieces of Scripture. And when you think of it, this is exactly why later, a couple of chapters later in the book of Acts, um, Peter and James are speaking, teaching and boldly proclaiming the gospel. And it says that the rulers, the elders, the scribes, um, uh, Ananias, Ananias, a high priest, and the others, and the scriptures say, when they saw the Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. They marveled, but then they realized that they had been with, with Jesus. You know, not only had they been with Jesus, but the Holy Spirit had come on Pentecost and had filled these men with knowledge and recollection and insight and wisdom that was way beyond what they could have determined themselves. Peter quotes Psalm 110, his third piece of scripture in this extemporaneous sermon. He says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool. Uh, this verse of the Old Testament is quoted in the New Testament more than any other single verse. Peter used this verse to show that the Messiah, uh, the Lord, was also God. He was divine. Now let's wrap this up with verse 36, the end of David's sermon. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Uh, this verse cuts to the heart. It's also a great summation of Peter's entire sermon. Peter states, let the house of Israel know. He's letting them know his words are directed to the house of Israel. They've been God's chosen people. God has protected them. He has provided for them. He has disciplined them. And through them, the Messiah had come. But their hearts were hardened. They didn't have ears to hear. They didn't have a mind that was receptive. God had made this Jesus both Lord and Christ, but they crucified him. The people were listening. They were focused on the words of Peter. They had come to Jerusalem for Pentecost. They were just gathering. They were just passing by when all of a sudden their day was interrupted by these praises of God that each had heard in their own native language. A, a miracle. It was a sign a testimony of the power of God through the Holy Spirit. And now they heard the truth. 
the Holy Spirit is, is speaking through Peter. And verses will say that they were cut to the heart. They were told that their Messiah had come, the one that they had been waiting for for centuries, the one that was their focus of their speculation. You can imagine them talking at night and wondering about the coming Messiah, what he would look like, what he would be like, how he would enter, how he would present himself, how he would establish his kingdom. But Peter says they had crucified him. Peter's sermon is, is over. But Peter's ministry had just started. We'll see this. Peter will answer the questions from the crowd. He'll be part of a movement. Peter will be one of the leaders of this movement. This movement is called the church. Truly something unstoppable. Let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you today for giving us this word. We thank you, Lord, for the... You've been listening to Faith Dialogue with Pastor Ken Baer, recorded live at Celebrate Seniors, a ministry of Faith Dialogue. You can listen to or watch all of the recordings at Faith Dialogue by going to www.faithdialogue.org.